Father, uh, thank you for these people, Lord. Thank you for this community that you're bringing together. Uh, thank you for gathering us in worship like this. Thank you for just your grace, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy toward us. You were so kind to us. You, you're just lavishing good gifts on us all the time as your children. And uh, as my good, my good friend Quinn reminded me this week, uh, you, you just love us. You just love us. There's nothing, and, and Jay said it today at the call to worship, Lord, there's nothing that you need from us. Um, you are always, when you show up in our lives, which is all the time, you're always there to give, never to take. And so thank you, Lord. Help us to see you as you really are tonight through your word, through song, through prayer, uh, just through the fellowship of uh, believers here between one another. Um, so Lord, come now as we read and study your word and don't leave us unchanged. Lord, keep your promise to continue to mature us and uh, finish this good work that you've started in us. And uh, ask that in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, tonight's new series, uh, Study the Letter to the Philippians. And uh, we'll get into this in a second, you'll understand why. But I was thinking this week, what have been some of the most joyful experiences of my life? And uh, one that I want to share with you all was just working at this summer camp. I was a trip guy for a summer. And so that means that we were tasked, there were about 10 of us, and we were tasked with taking like eight to 10-year-old kids down like a three-day uh, camping canoe trip down the White River in Arkansas. And uh, the three months with those 10 guys was just amazing, but we were all so weird and we were all so different from each other. And uh, I mean, you had some guys that were like me and just grew up in suburbia. You had some guys that grew up on farms and ranches. There was this one guy in particular uh, named Forrester and he grew up in Texas and was just a big football Texas guy. And uh, we were in a canoe and he saw a water moccasin was coming toward another one of us that had fallen in the river. Yeah, because they're really aggressive if you don't know about water moccasins. He pulled out his knife, flicked it open, and leapt out of a canoe into the water. And as he was landing in the water, grabbed it around the neck and cut its head off. You know what I was doing? I was in the fetal position in the canoe, sucking my thumb. I grew up in the suburbs. I wasn't going to do that. Uh, I, I really wasn't. I killed some snakes too. I'm oh, man. I'm tough. Uh, but no, I mean, I was just thinking about those guys and like, we... We came, I mean, some of us were at like elite universities. Some of us were at community colleges. We were from all over the nation. Some of us uh, wealthy, some of us poor, you know, it didn't matter. We just had all these different backgrounds. And, you know, what really brought us together was this like band of brothers experience. There was this shared commitment to a, a shared mission and we were willing to suffer to see it through together. And then as we were engaged in this, it just developed these bonds, these deep bonds of brotherly affection with each other and, uh, and produced joy. It was one of the most fun summers I've ever had in my entire life. And so uh, I wanna just pause the beginning here and ask you all to stop and think for a minute, like what have been those band of brothers or band of brothers and sisters or band of sisters, uh, fill in the blank, experiences for you that have brought you that joy? Um, Maybe it's a sports team, maybe it was being in a band, maybe it was uh, being in a ministry or starting a business or, but just stop and think like, what are, what are some of those experiences that have brought you joy in your life? And just, just think on that for a minute. And again, just thinking about, I, you know, I'm just gonna assume for y'all because I'm not, hearing you talk back to me right now, but that y'all have those experiences and that those are 
deeply enjoyable, like significant experiences for you. And it's not a coincidence that that's the case because we were actually made for that. Um, all of those experiences point to the deepest expression of that experience, which is we were made for gospel partnership, okay? That word gospel, if you're unfamiliar, is just Greek for good news. And, and what it is shorthand for is the good news of God's love for us in Jesus and what Jesus has done on our behalf to reconcile us to God. And so gospel partnerships working together for the sake of getting that message out to people uh, to hear this good news of God's love for them, that is what we were made for. It's this shared commitment to this shared mission with shared suffering and it just bonds us together. It bonds us in brotherly and sisterly affection for each other um, and it produces joy. And so this study of the Philippians, uh, this letter is all about joy. Um, it's been called by some the epistle of joy. Epistle is the fancy word for letter. So it's been called the epistle of joy because Paul just talks about joy so much in this letter. And so as we study this, um, we hear Paul telling us throughout this letter and he starts like tonight's like jumping in the deep end with, with his theme for this letter. It's like going to sound waves. And if y'all have done like the shoot where you just, you're like, hey, I've never been to sound waves before. It'd be like if somebody just puts you in that shoot where they drop the bottom out and you just go straight down. Paul's like jumping off the deep end and he's like, hey, let me just tell y'all, like you've heard and you hear from everyone that joy is found in gaining for you like all the different voices in your life and the world and culture say that joy is found in getting more for me, more money, more sex, more prestige, more autonomy, more security, more comfort. It's very me-centric and, and it's just getting more and more and more. How much can I get? And Paul's saying, that's not where you're gonna find it, me amigos. Joy is found in losing. That's the theme of this, this study that we're gonna do through the letter of the Philippians is joy is actually found in losing. And tonight, uh, we're gonna start here in uh, the first 11 verses and see that Paul is saying, joy is found in losing your old priorities. And so I'm gonna ask Lindy Griffin to come up and, and read our passage. Um, if y'all will follow along, we are going to be reading Philippians 1, 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in my, all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Lindy. 
Okay, so at the outset here, uh, just want to ask us to think about our priorities. Uh, you don't have to say anything to anybody else. So just think honestly, what are, what are my priorities right now? I mean, a priority is just something that you hold in higher regard than other things. And so when you look at your life and you reflect on your life and you think about you know, what or who is winning the battle for your time, for your schedule, for your mind, what are, what are you thinking about all the time? For your money, what does how you spend tell you about what your priorities are? And then lastly, your heart. What do you love? What gets you excited? What gets you up in the morning? So think, think about that for a minute. Paul is telling us here that the gospel is, is not just this information that is just there on a page in 2D. The gospel is this living and active thing that gets inside of us and transforms us. And so what he is telling us tonight is that the gravitational pull of the gospel when it gets inside of you and is working to transform you is it is pulling you away from this me-focused uh, way of living into and toward gospel partnership to this outward facing uh, new priority of this gospel message and getting it deeper in us and getting it out into the lives of people who, who haven't heard it, who don't know. And so um, the Holy Spirit, I, I love this because the Holy Spirit is using tonight, but also, I mean, he does all the time, but uh, especially this message and this whole series, as we begin, we're still in you know, the chapter one of our journey, this adventure together is Midtown West. He is speaking directly to us and he's like, y'all, if, if this is what you wanna do, if you are coming together to be a community, a gospel community, this is how you do it. Um, and so we're gonna start here with uh, Paul modeling this in his own life, the first eight verses of this passage. Um, so a little background, Philippi was a major city in Macedonia. So was Thessalonica. We just finished a study, uh, the letter to the Thessalonians. So Paul actually planted this church right before he planted the church in Thessalonica. And so Paul goes there, uh, goes to Philippi to share the gospel and plant a church in response to a dream. He had a dream that uh, in this dream, there was a man who was standing there saying, come to Macedonia and help us. And so Paul went. That's actually how we got to Nashville was I had a dream where Elliot Cherry was standing and saying, come to 12 South and help us. Um, so he goes and he's sharing the gospel. And, and if you want to dig in somewhere this week, Acts 16 is the story of Paul and Philippi. And it's amazing. And it's so amazing. And it, it's so important to what we're talking about tonight that I'm, I'm actually going to take a little time to paraphrase uh, what happens there. So first, Paul comes in and before he even gets into the city, he comes to the river outside of the city and there's a gathering of women who are just spiritual women who are praying together. Um, they just believe in some kind of deity or multiple deities, but they know that there's something more out there that there's a spiritual aspect to life. And so they have gathered together to try to seek that out together. And so Paul meets them and he's sharing the gospel with them. And it says that God opened the eyes and the heart of this one woman, Lydia, and she was a, a dealer in purple goods, uh, which we all know <laughs> what that is. Um, some of y'all are dealers in purple goods. Uh, 
Purple is just like a really expensive cloth. And so I like to think of Lydia as maybe like the uh, stylist, the modern day equivalent would be like Princess Stylist. But she was out there with her purple cloth and uh, she was wealthy. And so there's this woman who is very wealthy and she is the first Christian in Philippi. And it says later that her whole family, she and Paul share this message with her whole family and her whole family is converted. And so these are the first Christians. And then next, Paul finds himself uh, in the presence of this slave girl. She was uh, a girl who was a product of human trafficking and she was also demon possessed. So she was enslaved on a couple different levels. Uh, and what was happening with this de demon possession uh, was she was spouting these kind of weird fortune teller sounding things and people were paying her slave masters to hear from her. And so she was making them a lot of money. And so Paul calls down the power of Jesus in the gospel to set her free. And so she is freed from demonic possession. She's now freed from slavery. And she is the next believer of the gospel. She's the next Christian in Philippi. And so uh, when this happens, her masters, her former masters are not excited about this because they've just lost their source of income. And so they physically drag Paul and Silas down to the city center and they tell uh, these city leaders what happened. And so these government officials have Paul and Silas beaten with rods and then have them thrown into jail. And so while they're in jail, they say around midnight, they are shackled and uh, they are singing praises to God. I love that. They are singing and worshiping God at midnight in the jail and God answers their prayers and shows up and meets them by sending this like earthquake kind of thing, but it's like the whole prison shakes and all of a sudden every shackle on every prisoner is loosed. Every prison door is open and the jailer is terrified because he thinks that everyone's gonna be gone and so he's about to commit suicide. And so instead of bolting for the door, Paul goes to him and says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Nobody's left. Paul's like, you're, you're the reason why we came. Why would I run out of here when I'm here to share the gospel with people who need to hear this good news? And so Paul and Silas go to the jailer and he takes them to his house. He cleans up their wounds. They share the gospel with him and his family and all of his family comes to faith. And so uh, the jailer most likely was this retired Roman soldier because that's usually who were jailers in this scenario. So here you have the church. The church at Philippi is uh, a wealthy fashionista, a former slave girl who was demon possessed and an old man who was a Roman soldier. Like, that's amazing. Like this is the body who's come together. This is this very diverse community that's come together in the gospel uh, for this good work that uh, God is calling them to. So verse three, Paul says, every time I think of you, every time I think about these specific people, this community, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. Every single time I remember you and, and remember being with you, I'm so thankful for you. His love overflows. His, he says, when I pray for you, my heart fills with joy. Um, again, if you're a, a Ted Lasso fan, um, Paul reminds me here of one of my favorite characters, uh, Danny Rojas. He's just so, so full of joy. It's this Mexican soccer player who shows up uh, at AC Richmond and is just so amazing at soccer, but he's so good and it's just so full of joy. And he, he's just like, joy is like falling off of him everywhere he goes. He's just, no, 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 Danny Rojas, Rojas, Rojas. 
And this is Paul is just like, he, he can't get enough. He's just like, I just love you. I'm, I'm full of joy for you. I'm full of thanksgiving for you because my, my heart is just overflowing for you. Um, this, is, this is how he is, is feeling about these people because this is what God is doing through this gospel partnership. And that's what Paul says. He says, my heart is filled with joy because of your gospel partnership, your partnership with me in the gospel. The word partnership there uh, is the Greek word koinonia, which I'm, I'm sure if y'all been around church, have heard that before. But it's, it's what we're talking about. That word doesn't just mean friendship. It means something really deep. It, it, it's like this definition uh, that I've, I've shared a, a few times already. It's this shared mission, the shared commitment to the shared mission, the shared willingness to suffer, to see the mission advance. And, and just the brotherly and sisterly affection that flows out of that. When you're in these experiences together, when you're in the trenches together, it bonds you. And so it's this, this fellowship, this love uh, and joy. It's just this overflowing joy um, that Paul is experiencing with these people. And when he says this, when he's thinking of them, when he's praying for them, he knows these individual people. He is looking out in his mind on this room of people and he is remembering specific stories. Like, remember how we freed you from demonic possession. You remember that? Like, and remember when you were over here in this place and we brought the gospel to you? Do you remember how we got thrown in jail uh, for sharing the gospel with you? And it's, it's just, these people have come together on this mission, this this word, this truth of God is changing their lives. It's getting in them and it's their, their old priorities are starting to fade. And now there's this new priority that's rising up and they're like, yeah, yeah, this is everything. Like this is worth everything. And Paul is remembering these stories and these adventures that he's had with them. And he is just, his heart is so full. And so Paul is writing to them now from another prison. Paul is in prison, likely in Rome, and he is possibly awaiting execution. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but his life is on the line. And, and when he's writing to them, he's not saying, hey, y'all, if you would just stop praying for everything else and just pray that you get me out of here, that would be really great because I'm stuck in prison. It's miserable. Um, no, he, he doesn't mention himself at all. Um, he just says, my heart is overflowing with joy for you. I, I'm not even thinking about being in prison. It doesn't matter because what matters is this this gospel, it's you, it's the gospel at work in you and in this city and y'all bringing the gospel out into the lives of the people who haven't heard it yet. It's the power of gospel partnership. And that's where we're headed as Midtown West. Uh, the, the vision for this community is that we are a gospel community who's on adventure with Jesus to set people free and enjoy that freedom together. Like that's what this is. That's where this train is headed. Um, because we believe like Paul that this is what we were made for. We were made for gospel partnership. That's where life is. That's where joy is. That's where, that's where this deep, deep love and community that we were made for um, exists. So Paul knows because of the way that these people are now valuing these new priorities, uh, now valuing the gospel, now valuing this mission, now valuing one another. Um, that's what leads him in verse six to say, um, I'm so convinced. I'm so convinced that Jesus is at work in your life because I see this is the gravitational pull is taking effect. This is where your, your priorities are shifting. Your vision is shifting. Like you have stayed with me no matter how hard it got. Like I was in prison, I was beaten. I was not experiencing worldly success. You didn't wanna hitch your wagon to me if you were looking for worldly success. 
because I was in the gutter. I was bleeding in the gutter in prison. And you all still said, no, 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 we're with you. We are with you to the end because this is everything, because this is where life is. And so Paul is seeing this and he's like, you were with me then, you're with me now. You're still supporting me now as I'm in this other prison, as I'm in this other gutter somewhere else. You are with me. And that is what makes me know that Jesus has gotten a hold of you and he is working out this good work in you and he will bring it to completion. And so Paul doesn't stop there. He wants more and more of this. Um, verse three, he's, he's starting to pray for these people, uh, but he's so full of joy that he, he goes on and remembers and talks about all this other stuff. And so he finally picks up his prayer for them in verse nine. Um, and he is praying for more and more of this joy and gospel partnership for them and for us. Um, the Lord has given us this word tonight. He's given us this prayer of Paul to say, this is what I want for you. And this is what I want y'all to want for each other is, is this prayer that Paul prays in verses nine through 11. Um, so he gets into this prayer. He says, it's my prayer that your love would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. What's he saying there? He's saying that I want your experience of the love of Jesus and this joy in this gospel partnership to just explode and overflow into more and more love. And I want you to invest that love. I want you to take it and reinvest it in this gospel partnership because I don't want you to miss life. I don't want you to miss where, where a full life can be found. It's like uh, if, if anybody else was a, a Marvel Comics fan, X-Men, Cyclops, uh, you know, Cyclops has this power where he shoots lasers out of his eyes, but if he's not wearing his goggles, it just goes everywhere. And Paul is saying like, I want your eyes to be full of laser beams, but I want you to put the goggles of gospel partnership on so that you can focus all of that love into something that is gonna pay the most dividends. I want your whole life to be oriented around this gospel partnership, this love, this brotherly and sisterly affection you have for each other, because this is where life is. I don't want you to miss it. I want you to live with the end in mind. He says later that, um, let's see, where is this verse? Verse 10, so to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He's saying, I, I want you to live with the end in mind. I want you to live um, out of this ultimate reality of what are really good priorities. Because all of this life is fading. This is not lasting. This, everything that we see here every day, um, there's a day coming when Jesus is gonna return and he's gonna make all things new. And Paul's saying, I just don't want y'all to be disappointed on that day. You don't have to be afraid of missing this because it's not anything that you do. You don't earn your way to God. Jesus has already saved you. He's already brought you to himself. You don't have to be afraid of him when he comes, but man, I just really don't want you to miss out on anything. I don't want you to leave anything hanging for the day that he comes back. I want that to be a day where you are so full of joy because you have maxed it out. You have lived your life so well. That's this whole idea of being pure and blameless. It's not that we have to be afraid, that we have to be sinless. It's Paul saying, man, I just really, I really want the best for you. And, and as I call your attention to Jesus coming back, I want that to reshape your priorities. I want you to think about how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you spend your, your mind space, your head space, how you spend your heart's affections. 
And I want y'all to just take that to Jesus and say like, hey, I really want you to reorient all of this so that I'm investing myself well, so that I will live this, this full and beautiful life that you have called me to. And again, Jesus is saying that to us tonight. Hey, look, I want you all to experience this together. I'm calling all of, all of you Midtown West to experience this together, to continue to grow together. Um, this would be a beautiful prayer for you to pray for all of us this week, to go spend some time with the Lord and just pray exactly this for us, for individual people, for us as a body, um, just that the Lord would allow our love to abound more and more for him, for one another, for the lost, and, and give us this experiential knowledge to know the love of Jesus. So in this experiential knowledge and this wisdom to, to move in that love in a, in a way that is wise and skillful and, and full, just living this full life that he has for us. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says in Mark 8.35, uh, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. Um, that's not a threat to us. He's just, he's just telling us where life is. If you, if you listen to these other voices that say, just hoard and gather more and more for yourself, you're gonna lose it because that's not how I made you. But if you will give yourself away, if you will give yourself away for the sake of me and the gospel and the people around you, that's where you're gonna find it. That's what you were made for. There's, there's joy in losing your old priorities. There's joy in picking up this new, this new gospel partnership in this community. And um, the reason we were made for this is, is no accident either. Um, God makes it really clear that we were made in the image of God. And uh, in the Trinity, God being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's the first gospel partnership. It's this shared commitment to the shared mission and shared suffering for joy. And there's deep affection in that partnership. Uh, the Father sends the Son to die for us in this mission to reconcile us lost sinners um, back to himself. So the father is suffering as he sends his son to us. Jesus, is, the son, is suffering as he goes to the cross for us, for this shared mission of reconciliation. And so now um, there's a great joy. Um, Hebrews 12.2 says this. It says that Jesus endured the suffering of the cross for the joy that was set before him. That joy is you. That joy is me. That is gospel partnership, is, is God in, in himself, in the Trinity, is saying this mission that we are on um, in deep love and deep affection uh, is, is bringing us joy to reconcile the lost to myself and invite them into this community. That's what this is. That's what, that's what he is doing. That's what he's inviting us into. And now... He invites us into that partnership and says, come experience this joy with me. Come experience this joy with Paul. Come experience this joy with Lydia and the slave girl and this Philippian jailer. Um, this is our story. This is this family that's growing throughout history. Um, and it's what we were made for. And so this is our little chapter in human history. And he has gathered us together. And it, it's so beautiful that like 
it doesn't matter if we have nothing in common with each other. The gospel is this power that just draws us together and gives us deep community. And that's what we have here. And so God is saying, um, believe this message. You know, John 3.16, some of y'all have heard this a ton. Um, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes that God loves us and did this on our behalf will never die, but will have eternal life. And so um, I would invite you with, with Jesus to believe that and experience this eternal life and then come join in this gospel partnership uh, and experience this deep joy. Father, um, it is hard as this new work, this new power of your love, your presence inside of us is the gravitational pull from you is into this gospel partnership of, of losing ourselves, to stop thinking about ourselves so much and to think about you and about others and about this mission that you invite us to join you in. But we are still in this body of flesh and there's still this part of us that wants to isolate and, and gather for ourselves, Lord. And I pray that this week uh, you would meet us, Lord. Meet us as we um, go deeper into your word in this study of Philippians, Lord. I pray that you would open doors for us to gather throughout the week with one another uh, Thursday morning and just individually over coffee, whatever it is, going on walks um, to just help one another uh, walk in this gospel partnership together. Lord, do, do your good work. Continue to bring us to full maturity. Um, make us more self-forgetful and get lost in the beauty and the love and the joy that is in you and in this mission that you've called us to. And I ask that in Jesus' name, amen.